Welcome to episode three of the Achieve Mentors podcast, our show for fitness coaches and aspiring personal trainers. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing whether you can be a personal trainer and a full-time student, how we opened our gym, Achieve Fitness, and how to sell personal training as a coach. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What is up, Achieve Mentors? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we should have a different name, like not Achievers... No, uh, everybody's an achiever. That's true. Yeah. But like just a little bit of difference. Something different. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll work it on it. We're it still out. working on a lot of these uh, <laughs> little, little details. details. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Episode three. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we, we actually gotten a lot of good feedback um, from the previous couple episodes. I think uh, people have been enjoying just a show dedicated towards personal trainers specifically. So um, yeah, I think uh, we appreciate the feedback. So uh, if you if you like the show, continue to let us know so we can uh, keep on doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nothing else really to, have much of, to note. Much of an intro. We got a long, I feel like it's going to be a long episode in terms of like, there's a lot to cover. So yeah, that's true. Let's get right into the let's questions. Let's get into it. All right. So the first one comes from Ruthless867 and they said, I'm a full-time student. Is there time to be a personal trainer? Um, I thought this was an awesome question because yeah. I have done this. So <laughs> I can speak from experience. Um, so my sophomore year of college is when I started personal training. Yep. Right? Um, so Jason had gotten a job at a Boston sports club, a kind of big box conventional gym in our area. And Jason and I had been like workout buddies previously. We had worked out in the Northeastern gym and he knew how much I love to work out. Lauren basically did like CrossFit before like there was CrossFit because <laughs> yeah, she would do like true. these like 400 meter sprints on the Northeastern track and then go right into like a 10 minute ab circuit and then do weights. And then I'm like, like, what is this? And, like, I was dying, and I was like, let me just do my, like, bicep curls or whatever, like, bro workout I was doing at the time. <laughs> yeah, and I loved the feeling of, like, dying, which yeah. <laughs> I do not love anymore. I don't know where that went or what happened, but that was, like, I wanted to, like, I don't know, maybe for my gymnastics days of, like, strength and conditioning yeah. was just all about, like, pushing yourself to the limit. But We're also 19 then. So. Yeah, I had a lot of <laughs> a ability little, to recover. <laughs> anyway, so we had been you know, we had connected over that and Jason got this job and they had, they had mentioned that they were looking for uh, more female personal trainers. They didn't have a lot of women training at the gym and they wanted to have more of a balance. And so Jason was like, Hey, they're looking for some part-time trainers. Do you think that's something that you'd be interested in? And I was a full-time student. Um, I was studying journalism. So that was, my plan was to actually either be a Red Sox reporter or to <laughs> write for women's health. <laughs> so it was still in the sports and health, uh, arena in terms of what my goals were as yeah. a journalist, but my, my degree was in journalism. And so I was like, you know, I, I love this so much. I love working out so much that let me give this a shot. Like I'll try it part time. Um, and I didn't know at the time how much it was going to change my life <laughs> to actually do that. I still was thinking this would be a way to kind of make some money, but also do something that I love while I was in school, but I definitely didn't think like, oh, this is going to change the course of my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> this single decision this one will change everything. This decision will change everything. Um, so, but it did. Um, so what I ended up doing was, I think I took on about 15 hours of personal training. Yeah. Um, I think that was what I originally started with while I was still in school. And I did, um, I kind of moved my classes around when the popular times to 
train were. So I didn't take any, like I tried not to do the early morning classes and I would actually do early morning training. Yeah. Um, so I would, cause that's when most people train is before and after work. So I would actually work on getting to the gym for like 6am, 7am and 8am sessions and then go back to school and take my classes in the later morning and afternoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, you were doing this on top of like a 40 minute train commute as well. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a lot of time that you were putting into it. Granted, you probably did some work on the train. Actually. The train was great because yeah. the commute was where I studied but, <laughs> or slept. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I took a nap. But uh, that's actually super accurate. I, I, I forgot that you can just arrange your classes in such a way that kind of like optimizes your schedule. So if you can kind of like chunk your classes so that it's more predictable so that if they're all in the afternoon, you know that you've got mornings blocked off or if they're all at night, um, or if they're all in the morning, then you know that you've got some options in the night and on weekends as well. Um, yeah, just from just like a general standpoint, like I don't think there's ever going to be like an optimal time to go and try to pursue whatever ambitions that you have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's just all a matter of getting the ball going. And if it's just going out there and getting interviews at local places and just seeing if you can just get your foot in the door somehow, I think you'll just get some momentum. And if you like it and you find that you have a passion for it and that it suits you, then you'll start to do things to make sure that you can continue it or uh, increase the amount of time that you put into it and the amount of energy that you put into it. And it just starts to snowball. So I just recommend just, just getting the first step going so that you can just decide for yourself. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say is like, you'll find out whether you're willing to make other sacrifices to do this job. And then that may actually tell you even more like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, maybe this is something that's more important to me than I even thought, because I was ending up making a lot of social sacrifices yeah. and sacrificing like, yeah, sleep and <laughs> different things because I, I actually was so excited to go into work and to this part-time job that I thought was just going to make me some money to pay rent ended up being something that I obviously that became my entire life. Um, but at the time I just saw these small incremental steps of like me moving toward this bigger goal and this bigger vision of what I wanted to do. And it started with just taking a part-time job and seeing how it went. And for some, some of you, you're going to do that. And you're going to be like, this is not worth losing sleep. This is not worth having to rearrange my classes. This is not worth not going out on a Friday night. Like none of this is worth it for me. And that's fine too. Yeah. <laughs> but then you get to know that maybe this isn't like, if you're not, if you're not excited to go to work over some of those other things, then maybe that isn't a good career for you. And that's fine. Yeah. I, I think this is like the first time we've actually been able to articulate it, but maybe the worst time is actually the best time. So you can actually <laughs> figure out if this is something that you're actually like really into, or if it's just something that you're doing because you have nothing else better to do really. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, if you find that you're making the time to do, um, you know, this sort of like passion that you're interested in, um, then clearly it's a sign that you need to continue to further pursue it somehow. Yeah. I think so. that's a great point. Sweet. Cool. All right. The next question is from, oops, I'm going the wrong direction. Next question is from non-peril fitness and they said how did you open up your gym did you have savings or get a loan this is for future gym owners this is a really good question and this is it's really overwhelming to think about just even the whole process of starting a gym right yeah. i think it's just like where do you even begin like how do you even get started um and it's one of the reasons why we invested a lot of money into um, hiring business coaches right from the start because we just had no idea where to even start. And there's not really a lot of information out there on how to start as a small business. Um, yeah, and, and if there is, it's usually more like 
all the entrepreneurial like information out there, it, do, it doesn't tend to be around like service industry yeah. businesses for some reason. Like a lot of it ends up being about retail or restaurants, different things like that. But like the a gym isn't necessarily something that a lot of people are out there opening. I mean, it more more so now actually these days. But yeah. when we were opening, like there was not a lot of information out there on how to do it, except for. Alan and Rachel Cosgrove, who were doing it out in California. That's why we hired them yeah. as our mentors. But. Um, and then uh, beyond that, what we did was we also read um, three or four books by Thomas Plummer. Um, now, I will put a disclaimer that his stuff is pretty outdated at this point. Um, however, his uh, his initial stuff on business plan drawing up and just like overall like lease negotiations and that sort of stuff... Um, was still relevant when we were going through that process. So I, I would definitely recommend picking up that, especially because he's like one of the business guys as it pertains to fitness. Um, I would definitely take a look at some of his books. I think the, the big one that I drew, drew off of for our business plan was called The Business of Fitness. Um, now, obviously put thought and detail into the business plan, but it goes completely out the window as soon as you open up the doors because nothing ever goes to plan. It's just a way to... Um, just kind of like focus yourself and then if you're getting a loan you, you need it as a kind of like a just like a entry point of like I, I've actually thought about what our model is going to be yeah, before you give us money <laughs> yeah. um, the way we started was Lauren actually saved up um, a decent chunk of money she saved up 20k I had 20, 000, right yeah. um, to put towards opening up Achieve um, I had also put another 20k I didn't save up I'd actually had to ask my family <laughs> I was a lot less less good with money. My um, mom was very good at helping me save. Yeah. And Jason's parents didn't teach him that, but they gave him money. So yeah. <laughs> one uh, of two ways, I guess. Yeah, and I, I kind of had to like, we had to like go down to my family and I had to like pitch them on what the actual model was and like kind of like make sure that they needed to make sure that I knew what I was like getting myself into from that standpoint. And luckily they're entrepreneurs themselves. So they were more, they were more willing to give you money for something like this than if you were just like, Hey, I like need rent money or something. Yeah, you yeah. know, like this was like a venture that you yeah, were they were pretty, on, so. they're pretty, um, like happy to, uh, get that going for me. Yeah. Um, so, so I put 40K. in 20, yep. And then we actually took out a loan for 50,000. Yeah. And, uh, this was from, so we went from, we probably checked out six or seven banks in the local area, like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and all these like bigger names, because that's just kind of what we thought we needed to do. And they effectively were just like laughing us, they, like, out, laugh the, us out the door. Out the door <laughs> like they don't invest in startups, especially startups without any sort of business experience. I mean, we were going in there at 24 years old. Like it was just not like an optimal situation. Plus, we were very not confident, and they're just like, we're not going to give. $50,000 to a bunch of like kids just out of college, right? right. Um, but one guy was actually pretty nice and he was like, you know, most of the bigger banks aren't going to be that excited to uh, lend money to first-time entrepreneurs. So what you could do is go check out a local credit union. And we were like, oh, we never even thought about that. We didn't, we didn't even know that credit unions gave out loans in the first place. Mm. So the first credit union we went to actually... We had a meeting with them, and the guy was so nice. Oh my god, he was! I wish we we should go find him. Yeah, like seriously, he helped us be able to do everything that we've done. Yeah, like he was I don't so know nice. if if it was like your typical like banking guy that would look as look down at you kind of like condescendingly, like if we would have ever gotten a loan. Yeah, but he was kind of like newer to that role, and I think he was just like excited to get some deals going that we were just 
super right place, right time, just serendipitous yeah. of how everything worked out. But he helped us out a lot. Um, you know, our parents, both each set of our parents had to co-sign on the lease because we had no collateral. So we, you know, <laughs> in we, fact, all we had was my student loans. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like, we had does debt. This, does this help? Um, <laughs> so yeah, we needed co-signers. And that's going to be, if you don't have collateral, if you don't have a home or a car or anything to put up, you're going to have, it's inevitable. You're going to have to have somebody co-sign your yeah. lease or your loan with you. Yeah. yeah. So now keep in mind, we went big. We went 6,000 square feet right off the start. Mm-hmm. And so most people don't do that. Um, what we would have done if we couldn't get a loan, we couldn't get things to work, we would have probably kept that um, 20K that Lauren invested and probably got you know 20K from what my parents gave me and we would have started much smaller. We probably would have started at you know 800 to 1,000 square feet and started really small and hopefully worked our way up. It ended up working out that we started off bigger, but we would have just started really small and that's that's basically the gist of it. So if you can get some family support, then you can start off small. If you can get a loan, that's great. Then you can maybe start off a little bit bigger. I would recommend going with a loan if possible um, because I like the idea of having something completely separate that you're paying off with a little bit of interest to rather than maybe having friends, family, clients involved that might want to give you um unsolicited advice on how to run the business or start making demands on how you should run the business so that you can pay them back. Sometimes it's not even unsolicited because if they are giving you a lot of money, it's solicited. Like you ask them for money and in turn, like they're going to want to give some feedback into how things are going because they want to make sure that they're going to get their money back. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree. I think that the best thing we did was the only people that we were concerned about, like, pleasing in terms of the the business side of things were ourselves like we just had to make sure that we were sticking to our values and we had to make sure that we believed in what we were doing but then we had the in the backs of our minds like we we did have like I think it does help to have a little bit of um pressure dependent yeah yeah Yeah. pressure like our parents my parents were like okay we'll co-sign this loan but like we're going to, we have to put up the house, yeah. right? Like if, if we fail, my parents are going to lose some stuff like that needed yeah. to be there too, to just give us that little bit of extra like pressure to make sure that things worked out, but not so much that, that they were going to step in and try to change the way that we were doing business. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, when we were opening up, like we didn't have any money, but we were still giving people like welcome gifts when they mm. signed up and we were giving referral gifts when they sent referrals and when they renewed, we would give them gifts. And like, we we're just putting out a lot of quote unquote unnecessary expenses, but you know, obviously these expenses kind of set the tone for what we were about. We were much more about the, just the, the gratitude that we had for them as well as the overall development of the community rather than just being about money and finances. And oftentimes if let's say a client got involved, they might be like, Hey, you're wasting a lot of money on that swag. Like this isn't going to give you any ROI. Mm. And then they, they would shut that down. So, um, I think we would have lost a lot of the special like magic, um, behind what we did. And, um, um, I'm really glad that we just went through just a straight up loan beyond our parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything else on that along that front? I mean, I think obviously there's like so much more that went in, that goes into the first part of the question, like how did you open up your gym? But I think they're more coming at it from the financial piece of it. I mean, yeah. Obviously, the the number one things for us were having a mission, a vision, something bigger than just wanting to open up a gym for financial gain. Like, yeah, that that all could be a whole separate episode. Actually, but... yeah, going along that front, I I would really 
sit down and make sure that you have a very strong like emotional attachment to what you're trying to build. Like we don't want you to go in and because it's kind of like the next logical step from being a personal trainer to open up a gym because um, you just need to have a very strong vision of what you want to accomplish as well as strong emotional attachment to um, certain values that you want to make sure that the gym can help uphold and you just want to just be like really excited when you think about the potential of what you can build. You don't want to think about this is the next step in my career. I want to make my own hours. I want to be my own boss. I want to make a lot of money um, because it's going to be really difficult to achieve all those things actually, <laughs> um, especially because a small business, one that is service-based, is really difficult to have a lot of just margin with. Like it's not like a tech product where you just sell it at a certain cost. Um, it's not like retail. It's not like, it's really unlike anything else because it's so dependent on people's time. And so it just becomes a very low margin, um, basically operation. And if you're not fully, fully just so connected to what you're trying to build, it becomes really taxing and emotionally draining to try to keep this thing up afloat. Yeah. Definitely. Do you have anything else to expand on no, that? No, that's, or? I mean, that's kind of where I was going. It's just like, make sure that, like, yeah, it's important to have the business plan with like, do your research on your area and the average income and make sure you understand like what the average leasing prices are of like commercial space and all that kind of stuff is important, but it's not like, that's like step 20, Yeah. right? Like step one through 20 is all about finding your your why like understanding your mission having a really strong connection to what you're doing like all of that doesn't really help with getting a loan it doesn't help with saving money yeah. but it helps with really being passionate for what you're doing and it helps you push forward when the inevitable difficulties are going to come up like when we were getting denied by bank after bank like we weren't really getting that upset because we were mm -hmm. just like we're going to make this happen like we we're so we're so excited about this idea because we knew that what we had was something really special. This idea of creating a gym that welcomes people, that supports people, that was, you know, for the, the average person who walks into a gym and is intimidated, we're going to take that away. Like all this stuff we were so excited about that we weren't, we weren't bogged down by the obstacles that we came across. Yeah, we literally talked about it every single minute. We were so <laughs> like connected with our vision that obviously it kind of came to fruition, but also even just the look of the gym. We like... We knew when we stepped into the facility that we that is finally achieved fitness that 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 was the place, and we knew exactly where all the equipment was going to line up perfectly. And we didn't right. even talk about it. like we didn't have to talk about it. No. We both were like, "This is where the turf will go. This is where the squat racks yeah. will go." We just knew because we were so. It's like we imagined it in our heads before we even had the space. Yeah, we totally and, envisioned it like yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's just the uh, so make sure that you're that excited about this idea and that you're that you're dreaming a lot that you're dreaming about this like crazy ambition that you have instead of thinking all about all the logistics that you need to do to create the business because you can get really bogged down by a lot of the stuff if you're not focusing on the greater picture your greater passion yeah cool cool all right and then the third question is from Ali Kasab and they said how to sell personal training I'm the quote unquote new quote new, new coach new coach, new coach <laughs> at my gym um, so how to sell yourself as a personal trainer as a newer coach and this is a great question this is a really good question it's 
it's really difficult um, for the newer coach to step in and kind of establish themselves uh, when they're at a place that is already established with other coaches. Mm. We were actually very fortunate in that we join Boston Sports Club and we also join uh, this kind of private training studio right when they both opened up. So we were already initially established as like the old guard right off the start, yeah. right? So Yeah, that... we never had to go through being the new coach. Yeah. I mean, we were new coaches, but we weren't like coming in underneath a lot of very established coaches. Yeah, so that, that helped a lot, um, more than we probably even know. Yeah. However, if we were starting off as a newer coach and we were already going into an environment where a lot of the members kind of like are familiar with the personal trainers already there, our strategy, I think, would just be to be the most, like the friendliest, most approachable people possible and always accessible to those people um, in order to basically make it a much easier and much bigger opportunity that, that, that they might actually come and train with us, right? Yeah. So I think it's all about just being friendly and not trying to sell them on anything, but just trying to create relationships and try to build rapport with basically as many many people as possible and without any sort of back end like hey if you uh if you buy this personal training package then i'll help you out but actually providing a lot of information on the front end like you can offer spots um, if someone clearly has done something that they're proud of like a pr like on a deadlift or something like that go over there and just give them a high five and then like you know uh uh, just kind of like stop the conversation. Just congratulate or, them. Don't go into like, I could help you go further. Like yeah. just congratulate them and tell them that you're proud of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and just like have, just be like the best human that you can <laughs> and interact with these other humans in the best way that you can without the just kind of like back end like sales tactics that a lot of other trainers use um, because they're just trying to make more money. Yeah. Right? One of the best things that I did um, at Boston Sports Club was and and it was unintentional in terms of selling, but I taught a lot of classes, like the group classes, and it gave me the opportunity to be in front of people for an hour as opposed to a five-minute conversation here or there. Yeah. And that hour was basically me, not even, I wasn't realizing it at the time, but it was me selling myself as a person. And so I got to show my personality in front of the group. I got to cheer people on, support people, like tell them they're doing a great job, correct them when I felt like it was necessary, but like in a supportive, positive way so that someone leaving my class, and they may have taken 20 classes before they were finally like, you know what, Lauren's given me a lot of value while I'm taking her classes and I want to take it that next step and actually train with her. And I would start to have people just come up to me and ask me, if I would personal train them mm -hmm. as opposed yeah. to me trying to have to sell myself. And that's essentially what Jason's talking about. I think group classes is a great way to be able to do that. If you're comfortable in front of a group, Jason was the complete opposite. He wasn't totally not, yeah. comfortable in front of a group. So that wasn't going to be, it, that wasn't going to expose his strengths. So for him to try to do group classes would have maybe actually been a worse opportunity. Yeah, actually you're right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like for, it would have made people be like, oh, this guy doesn't really Yeah, have like the go like I wasn't into group classes because I wasn't, you know, too confident in like projecting my myself like out to a larger group. And like because of that I was very reserved in the group class. I was not very quick to give feedback. And it was more just like get in, get out, like it's very uncomfortable. Let me just <laughs> do this as quickly as possible. Um and so yeah, I gravitated more more towards those like one-on-one -on -one, like more private conversations where I can kind of like go in get out go in get out and just like make it like a 
much more of a personal thing, I guess. Right. So yeah. it, it really also depends on knowing your strengths and knowing how you're going, how you best connect with people. So for Jason, going around to people and just kind of like giving them a little bit of support, a little bit of feedback, like in a one-on-one setting, much more comfortable. He came off much more natural. Whereas for me, I actually thrive more in a group setting. And mm-hmm. so for me, being up in front of the class gave me the opportunity to show people what they might get from training with me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, know your strengths and put yourself in situations that, that expose those strengths. Yeah. The other thing that I think we would absolutely do is put on like free workshops or free, free demonstrations, um, basically anything free to get people like in, in front of people to educate them that you know what you're doing as a coach, mm, right? Yeah. I think there's yeah. a little bit of a stigma with personal trainers that they're really into themselves and they're only about looks and they only care about themselves. But if you can show that you are knowledgeable as a coach or that you just like really care and you're passionate about what you're trying to teach them as a coach, then they'll feed off of that. And so it could be like a, you know, stretching course for runners or a foam rolling demonstration for people that have uh, knee pain or whatever it might be. You can demonstrate a lot of different things and you can do it for free. Now, you can talk to your manager and say like, hey, I'm looking to put on this workshop. I think that potentially um, I could get some people to sign up with me down the road. If they get more exposure to my coaching abilities, they're going to be all for it. So you can be like, okay, I'll run it at Saturday at like 3 p.m. when it's a quieter time. And I know that the studio is going to be open and accessible and I'll put up the flyers and I'll market it and everything. And then at the end of it, what you can do is, again, don't don't just pitch them right away. Um, I would either get their email address potentially and say like, hey, if you want more helpful tips or if you want this PDF that I created that specifically pertains to this workshop, I'll send it over to you via email. Then you can have like this sort of like email correspondence with them down the road. Mm -hmm. But again, if you sell them right off the bat, they're gonna be like, oh. That's why they put on this workshop. Yeah, and they're like, okay, like pump the brakes. Like um, I don't really want to build any more relationship with you because you clearly want to sell me on the back end. So yeah. um, it's just the, the basic thing is what Lauren mentioned before of you want people to start coming up to you rather than you trying to swindle your way into personal tra- training packages, right? So it's more about branding yourself as this knowledgeable and very approachable person that people want to come up to rather than trying to be that salesy personal trainer. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we've even seen it with our own coaches that we hire who like, yeah. not only do they, do we have their backs as the owners, but like our other, the rest of our team has their backs and still some of our members will be like, Oh, I don't know about, you know, yeah. I don't know about training with this person. And then the only, the only thing that helps is for them to just be friendly, to smile, to interact in like the, like a a very natural way to show them that they know what they're doing as a coach. And it's like it, I mean, within a week, all of our coaches who are new, like change everybody's perspectives and they're like, Oh, okay. I'm I'm happy to coach with this person. (laughs) It's all about just showing people that you care and you're going to, it won't matter so much what your experience level is. Once people are like, Oh, this person actually cares about me. They're actually trying really hard. They're working really hard. They're giving me useful feedback and information like yeah you just overcome that barrier of being the quote-unquote new coach very quickly if you can do that yeah and you know there's gonna be times where you feel like you've got a really good relationship with someone and you've just been giving them all your information like as much as you can and helping them out and they still just don't train with you and it just (laughs) might not be the right time for them like they might be trying to buy a house they might be trying to do something or they're going through some personal struggles or whatever like you just need to make sure that you don't start to get resentful for people 
not signing up with you because that then spreads to other people mm. and then people can just sense that you're being a little bit jaded or a little bit like not in it for the right reasons kind of thing. So you have to be consistent across the board whether or not someone signs up with you or someone doesn't sign up with you. Just make sure that you're just doing your best to help people out and that will really, people will automatically feed off that energy. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's perfect. Cool. cool. All right. Well, those are all of our answers to your burning questions for today. Thank you so much for sending those in. That was from a Q&A that we did a little bit ago. Um, maybe we'll do another one of those. Or yeah. Oh, actually, I want to talk about... Um, Sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. Whoa, that was an abrupt cut off. Um, so we're putting out this sort of like free preview for Achieve Mentors. And right. it's basically giving out some of like uh, some of the lessons from Achieve Mentors. And so actually sales is involved. Um, evaluations are involved. Programming is involved. Um, kind of like a single lesson from each of the modules, uh, basically, to kind of give you like a little bit of a taste of Achieve Mentors. But also I wanted to bring it up because uh, it talks about like, our general sales strategy when we actually are sitting down in front of someone or our general evaluation strategy when we first see someone like what kind of first impression what kind of initial conversation we want to set the tone with and then we also talk about like how to program um, so it kind of gives you a little bit of a 101 sort of like a roadmap to get you at least started um, and then if you feel like the information is like really helpful then obviously you can jump on to the actual official platform later on but uh, we want to put out just a, like a little bit of a free preview just to get like a little bit of a sense of how we operate. Cool. Cool. Uh, review? <laughs> you totally cut me off. I don't know where I am now. Um, no, that's that's really helpful. So if you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review, <laughs> that would be really awesome. We would really appreciate that. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.